sister cast. I am Amanda. And I am Zoe. And <laughs> and it's been so long since we've done a podcast that we forgot how to podcast. You know, I always hate when people were blogging mm-hmm. and they would start a blog with, I'm sorry, it's been so while since I've blogged. But it's the natural instinct, isn't it, to apologize? I don't know. But it's like, has anyone even noticed we've been gone? <laughs> and or podcasts, that's what's so neat about them is, yes, pe- some people listen the first week they come out or other people are just discovering us now. Yes. And that's something that we talked about when we first came up with the idea for the podcast, right? That you said, we don't want to be too topical because we want our podcast episodes to be evergreen and, um, you know, and then also no pressure, right? That we don't want to, I don't know. For sure. Now, the key with anything in life is consistency. True. Right? So a couple things is like, just do them, keep doing them. And if whatever you do, you'll get better. So your life as a romance writer, mm-hmm. a writer, your first books compared to your books now, mm-hmm. like yeah. night and day. Well, yeah. I mean, like I, my first book was pretty good. Let's be honest. <laughs> it was amazing. But, we, but we no, sisters but suffer different. from high self-confidence. It's true. We, we, we have very healthy egos. Um, no, but like, yeah, I knew I, I didn't know what I didn't know then. You know, it's that learning, um. It, it, it the the cycle of of something like the circle of life like so so there are four stages of competence right so there the first stage is um unconscious incompetence you don't know what you don't know then there's conscious incompetence where oh god you've realized there's so much that you don't know and okay. it's daunting okay then you learn how to do something you're still painfully aware of all the steps it takes to do it, but you're pre- getting pretty good at it. That's conscious competence. You have to kind of think about it, but then you're okay at it. And then when you finally master something, unconscious competence. You just do it and it's effortless, right? I think that that might be a Malcolm Gladwell thing. The, the 10,000 10, hours? Yeah. Have you been a writer for 10,000 hours? Oh, yeah. More importantly, in writing, we don't talk about it in terms of hours. We talk about it in words. So it's the million word mark. And I passed the million word mark mm, two years ago. So Zoe has been a professional writer mm-hmm. for five years. Yeah. I'm coming up on my five-year, my, my fifth anniversary of being published. And I was kind of pursuing it kind of, uh, professionally for about a year before that so for five years you've been doing that yeah and I have been in radio promotions for like 17 years yeah you're coming up on 20 years yeah. so like I would say are we professionals experts in our field yeah, yeah you so you kind of reach mastery around the five-year mark generally speaking that's how long a medical residency usually is um it's how long it takes to do a professional training program plus a couple of years of in the role yeah I recently had to fill out a survey at work um it was like for for everyone in the whole company um in the radio division and the first question was how long have you been working in the industry and it was like less than a year one to three three to five (laughs) and then whatever five and then 10 plus plus, and I was like I'm looped in with the 10 plus people don't I get like more cred for (laughs) but it's like that's the truth right when because I started in the industry so young like right out of college and I went to college as early as I could 
I always have felt very young, Mm -hmm. right? Like I did start in um, a major market. So everyone around me already had like 15 years experience, if not more at the top of their game. And there I am being like, hello, I've been working in radio a year, not even. And so I've always sort of kept that with me that, oh, I've just been working for not very long. And, um, and you see, now I see job postings, not that I'm looking for a job, but you know, you see them and they're like, must have two years experience or four years experience. (laughs) And you're just kind of like, I have a hundred years. Dang. Anyway. So, um, so the 10,000 hours and the yeah, 10,000 hours or for writers, it's a million words. And I do think that I look back and my million word mark was in 2016. Um, and 2016 is when I started writing books that were a bit longer. Right. So my mm. my average work, <clears throat> my average length of a novel before that point was um, 50 to 70,000 words. And now, I mean, I'm working on Pine Harbor 7 right now. It's going to come out May 22nd. Um, and I'm just wrapping up the edits on that. And it's almost 110,000 words. It's a really long book. Um, that's like 450 pages. Um, a giant brick of a book. And if I had tried to tell that story five years ago, it would have been half that length. You know, you layer in a lot of stuff and you learn you know yeah my craft has gotten better my first book was great but my you know newer books are even better so I don't even know if we've talked about this on the podcast but I always find it interesting so I'm just gonna ask Mm -hmm. like in a given week Mm -hmm. seven days how many hours do you work um it really depends kind of what you call work and if you can kind of separate it from the other stuff social media is really tricky to to separate into work and personal stuff I post stuff about my kids um you know on social media but I'm also constantly monitoring my reader groups and that sort of thing is that work part of it is it's but it's very hard to kind of you know separate into um measurable quantifiable hours um I try to write 15 to 20 hours a week so one rule oh I should say so um we are going to try something a little bit different within the sister cast. I am going to do a breakout session on branding and marketing for the romance author. And so some of this I'm going to talk about in a lot more detail in, um, I think, a four or five episode arc that we're going to do. And it'll be available um, as the next episode after this one. But it's not going to be a numbered episode. Um, we're calling it the breakout sessions and they will be numbered kind of on their own. Anyway, so um, I heard a stat once that in any given day, you only have three to five hours of creative productivity in you and you it might take you five hours to get that out of yourself. It could take 12 hours, right? The thing is, when you're a writer, you don't have a boss who's keeping track of it you you're you are your own boss you you are accountable to yourself so some days I will start out with my goal of I want to get 2,000 words today or I want to get 3,000 words or 5,000 words I haven't done that in months um but let's say that my goal is 2,000 words which is a pretty reasonable goal for myself that's my standard average I'm writing today so I'm going to get this and I may get it in four hours and then officially my workday is done or I will wake up at seven, try and get an hour of words in before my kids, you, you know, start having breakfast and off to school. 
then I will work out after they get off to school. And so then I shower and by this, suddenly it's 1130 before I get back to my computer and my endorphins are running a little high because I worked out. And so it takes a while to kind of calm down and refocus. And I get trapped into a social media thing and suddenly it's time to go get my kids from school. And I didn't write anything and I still have 1700 words on my, so then I get my kids sorted and you know they read or play after school or whatever and I get a couple of good writing sprints in so that's 500 words done so now I'm at like 1300 words still to get in and I don't get them done until after the kids go to bed and then I'll have you know two or three hours of really solid work after the kids go to bed and someone might look at that and be like well you started writing first thing in the morning and you don't start writing stop writing until 11 I see you you know sprinting all this time or whatever um but it's very easy to be distracted. And and I know that I have to get my words done, but I can be flexible in the time that I, you know, in any given day, the most I'm ever going to write, unless it's deadline week, unless I'm in that fast tumble towards the end of a book, the most I'm actually working in a day is probably about five hours. But then on top of that is the marketing stuff, the, you know, checking your email, fixing your website, all of that I do after my creative stuff and um, often kind of in 15 to 20 minute bursts around the rest of my life. So the, the, the social media hanging out, the marketing, that's the stuff I find very fascinating. And it's a solid, like it's 50% of my workload. Yeah. And so what we're going to be talking about in that breakout session Mm -hmm. is I love how you keep calling yourself a commercial romance writer. Yeah. I'm a commercial genre fiction author is how I really think that it's important to ground yourself if you if you are writing horror or romance or mysteries or women's fiction or insert whatever whatever type of book that people voraciously consume a genre fiction as opposed to literary fiction or poetry or whatever if you're a genre fiction author you are a commercial author. And so you must be business minded about how you go about it, which is what the breakout sessions are all about, right? I am a commercial genre fiction author. I start with that word because I, it's not just that I want to write books, you know? Um, It's also that I want to sell books, right? I write books so that people will buy them. Ergo, what I write has to be what people will spend money on. And that wasn't how I started, right? How I started was I wrote a book while I was on maternity leave. Um, well, I, I started to write a couple of books while I was on maternity leave. I had all these ideas. I finished reading an ebook series and thought, I want more of that, but like set in Canada. And um, I have like 30 attempts at a first book, which didn't go anywhere. And then miraculously, I finished a book um, and I didn't know what to do with it. So then then began the very long process of figuring out how do you publish a book and what are your different options there? In 2013, we had a lot of options. In 2018, you've got even more options. Um, publishing is a really amazing opportunity. Um, but when I started out, I had a full-time job. And so my motivation on what to write was different than it is now, right? I I, I, jug- I juggled the job and writing for a year um, and then I was laid off from my job and packaged out and I had an opportunity there. Do I take my severance period and look for a new job or do I take my severance period and think how can I make writing a full-time job? 
And so, but that immediately, bam, in a single instant, you know, being shifted from writing is this part-time amateur pursuit. It was an amateur pursuit, even though it wasn't a hobby. I was doing it in a professional way, but kind of, you know, you, you look at somebody who competes amateurly, but seriously in athletics, right? Somebody who is a marathon runner and, you know, there's somebody who runs a marathon once to say that they did it. And then there's right. somebody who travels around on their own dime, right. improving their speed so that they can qualify for Boston. Right. Those are both amateur runners, you know, no, neither of them are competing for prize money yet, but one of them is doing it very differently than the other. I've always had my eye on qualifying for Boston, you know, right. in the marathon analogy. So do you think like it's okay if there's a writer out there or in my world, a radio personality out there yeah. who, when they are not working, ignores social media? Like have an on and off. Now I'm working. Now I'm not working. Is it okay? Absolutely. There's always, it's always okay. Does it come with a cost? Absolutely. Right? So there are, there are authors who I can think of who are successful, commercial genre fiction authors, who are not active on social media, who I know somebody who doesn't have a Facebook account, just as a blog. Um, I know somebody who doesn't have a newsletter and does really well. They are the outliers and their brand, their voice is strong enough that they don't need to do all the things that most people need to do to maintain their brand and build that brand up. Um, it's a mistake to look at what an outlier does and think, I'll do it like them. I don't need to do, you know, there's speaking of the Boston Marathon, because I love all, I love any running writing analogy. So this year, the Boston Marathon um, had a very unexpected second place win in the women's marathon race. And this is an amazing story. Um, the There's a, a youngish woman. I think she's in her late 20s. Um, who was a call uh, like like competent collegiate runner in university and then she broke her foot and it took her a couple of years to recover from 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 the injury to her foot and in that time she went to graduate school she's a nurse um and after graduate school she decided to take up running again like me with writing she decided to be serious about it um and she had been a good runner before so she trained in a serious way. She said, I want to write, run a marathon. I want to run Boston, right? So for those who don't know anything about running, Boston Marathon, in order to run it, you need to qualify for it, which means you need to hit a certain speed in a, in a specific race. There are a number of qualifiers um, that lead up to Boston. She ran one of those qualifiers. She won that race in a personal best time. Great. She qualified for Boston. So she went to Boston and ran the race that she had trained to run when she crossed the finish line. I'm going to cry. When she crossed the finish line, she didn't know what her time was. And keep in mind, you know, for when women are running, there are men running ahead of them, right? Because men are a little bit faster than women. So there were people ahead of her. She knew she had run well. She didn't know what her time was. Um, I think it took her a couple of minutes to figure out what her time was. And when they told her, she knew it was a personal best. She had beaten her qualifying time by a minute or two, maybe. 
and it wasn't for quite some time like I don't know we'll have to go back and look at the story but it wasn't like for I want to say like 20 minutes until she realized she had come in second because it was quite chaotic at the at the finish line and that was not anywhere on her radar to come in that highly placed there were actually two Americans um, who came in first and second and and they never finished you yeah, know, never. Top. Yeah. Um. So, and there were a lot of different factors that led to other people not finishing. But she, her time was amazing. Her, that wasn't what her focus was on. You know, she was just focused on running the best race that she possibly could, and she trained for it in a really serious way. And didn't she go to a running store maybe two or three months before yeah. Boston, and uh, to get new shoes? Yeah. And and she said to the. Uh, gentleman she told him what her qualifying time was and he thought to himself that might even be enough to do really well in boston um but she wasn't making a big deal of it so he didn't make a big deal of she it. she didn't know that it was a good enough like when she said the you know when i ran the last one it was this yeah she, she didn't know that that could have been because she was qual- she was really just focused on qualifying mm-hmm. um so i think of um I think of anybody else who is thinking, I'd like to qualify for Boston. You don't look at that story and think, right, I need to win a qualifying race and then I'll go and I'll get second. That's not the takeaway from that story. The takeaway from that story is do like put your absolute most you can into any endeavor that you're doing and good things, you know, amazing things may happen. Good things are definitely going to happen. If she had come in 10th, the story would be just as awesome. You know, it's it, it got more national in, in international coverage because she came in second and didn't know it. Like that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great lead for an for an article. Um, but her time was amazing no matter what. Right. Your 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 focus needs to be on the process. So if someone's like, I don't like social media, I don't want to do social media, but I want to have a big brand. My first instinct, honestly, is to say, are you sure you want to have a brand? Right. Right? If you don't want to be on social media, Mm -hmm. how much of a brand do you actually want to have? Do what you're enthusiastic about. And if you're not enthusiastic about social media, figure out what you can do that doesn't doesn't involve that. Yeah. Well, I think more and more industries are no longer 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Yeah. But, I mean, with everything comes... um, if you don't want to have a nine, if you want to have a nine to five job, that's fine. But I bet you won't be able to go run errands in the middle of your day. Yeah. Right. And so it's a tug of war. It's like, do you want, we used to call them bank jobs, right? Like, do you want a bank job Monday to Friday, nine to five? Where you get to shut off at the end of the day and you don't have to worry about it. And yeah. Right. Whereas I mean, if you want some flexibility to come home in the middle of the afternoon and record a sister cast with your sister when it's sunny <laughs> out. But then that also means you want yeah. to do, you want, if a story breaks, you know, since we last did a podcast, there has been a bunch of horrific things that have happened in Canada. Mm-hmm after after five o'clock or on the weekend and what yeah. are you going to ignore it until yeah until you're you, you know you go back in you know monday morning yeah um yeah i think also the um it's important to have boundaries and and self-care and self-care isn't yes. like i don't mean that yes. in like a like a, a flipping kind of way we really we can burn out yep you know um but particularly if it's a if it's a role that you have a vested interest in, right? If it's your persona that will, I'm I'm not a media expert, but if if you are on a, on a radio show, for example, 
you you are not just doing a job for the radio station that you currently work for right at some point you may move from your current radio station to another radio station and you're going to take that persona with you you're going to take that following with you if you haven't built it up then you don't have that much value as you move from role to role. You're starting over again in each role, right? But that's the same for radio personalities, mm-hmm. for authors. Absolutely. You know, even for professionals, yeah. right? So, you know, I'm a marketing professional and LinkedIn has been around for obviously a while, but it's more and more becoming prevalent that people are using that um, to make sure you're self-promoting yourself. Mm-hmm. You have your own brand, your own name, no matter what you're doing. So something which I have seen a couple of times in writing is that somebody burns out of the commercial persona thing and they kind of wrap up that pen name. They move on with their lives. Sometimes they go and they do work for hire stuff and there is nothing wrong with that, right? There is a path for every person at every different time in their life um, to meet different kind of goals. But if you, whatever you're going to do, if it's going to be work for hire, if it's going to be you're building your own brand, you know, pick a path that, that you genuinely um, enjoy doing, that you have enthusiasm for. Because if you are fighting like against the stream of your own mental limits, your own boundaries, your own discomfort, it's going to be a hard slog. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if you find it challenging... Um, you know, we talk a lot about fear of failure. I think a lot of people are afraid if I post on social media, well, I've said the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. What is the word that you say when something horrific happens? Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I talk about in in the branding breakout session, um, which everybody should listen to, whether or not you're <laughs> a romance author. Um, but I talk about how I, you know, one of my very first tips for any author, those, there's some foundational things you need to do. Website, newsletter, Facebook page but also a Facebook fan group um I built a fan group before I published my very first book and for six months and three books there was nobody in it there were five people and one of them was my uncle Matt and uh, eventually uncle Matt left once we started talking about cute guys (laughs) over and over and over again but people say to me I don't have any fans so I don't want to start a fan group yet because I'll have nothing to talk about with them build the group let there be nobody in it eventually people will start joining and conversations will just genuinely happen and until then no one will notice that the group is pretty quiet nobody will notice nobody will care you you know we create these narratives we say we we tell ourselves no when we should be telling ourselves yes yes you also said in that breakout um, session, and I, I was like, oh, I like that. Comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, it's such a good quote. Especially with social media. Yeah. Right? We, we are seeing everyone's highlights. Yes. And and whether it's a podcast that you're doing or something else, you don't compare yourself to anyone else. Don't listen to a podcast and say, ooh, I should do exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. If you are writing a book and you think, my book will never this is not as good as that book that I read your work in progress is cannot be compared to someone else's finished product right your real life cannot be compared to someone's Instagram pictures yeah right and to somebody else your Instagram pictures look like I'll never have that yep that is I mean we all need to be very aware that 
everything that's presented is only one tiny slice of the story. And numbers, if we can, try to not look at numbers. Oh, yeah. Right? Because th- that's what's like, you know, for years and years I worked in radio and the way we're rated, you never really know mm-hmm. what your listeners are. Um, but with digital now, we, we can see if we make a digital content video and put it online, we can see mm-hmm. the numbers of people. And sometimes that can be discouraging because you're like, man, we thought that was really funny mm-hmm. and it wasn't shared or people didn't see it to the level we set. And, and instead of being negative on it, we should go, wow, 200 people saw it. Yeah. And then next time and then every so often things go viral. Mm-hmm. We we sometimes we go, oh yeah, this one's gonna go viral. You just know, but more more often than not, you don't know what's gonna go viral. Mm-hmm. You had a, a tweet that went viral. <laughs> yeah, the most successful tweet that I have ever <laughs> tweeted in my entire life by like order of a thousand times more than anything else I've ever tweeted. Um, I tweeted last night, and it was a joke that my kid told me that he heard on YouTube. God, so, those YouTube creators, seriously, they're, they're little smart. geniuses. They're so smart. Yeah. So um, he he. I'm on deadline right now as I wrap up the last edits on Pine Harbor number seven. And he came and told me a joke about um, a writing joke that he thought would make me feel better, um, which was really sweet. And he delivered it really well. And it was hilarious. So I shared it out there. Keep in mind, when I share things on Twitter, I'm sharing it to like a very small group of writers. That's my target. Like I'm not thinking Twitter is not a platform that I manage. I never try to think broadly like that it's very much where I am my own raw real self and I it just you know quickly within I don't know 20 minutes there were like a couple hundred shares and I was like what is happening <laughs> and when I woke up this morning it was like 14,000 likes so just before we started recording the podcast so um Zoe picked me up at work and told me about this uh it was at 14,000 yeah now about an hour and a half later 16 and a half thousand <laughs> Yes, 16.8. It's like, oh my God. The numbers are going up pretty quickly. Like I, you know, every so often if you're on Twitter, um, you'll see a post, that some like a tweet that somebody else puts up and you'll see the numbers change as you're looking at it. I, that has never happened to me on one of my own tweets. I've been on Twitter for like, I don't know, seven years. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was really, and it was, and it was my kid. And he, the, the YouTuber who, um, uh, who was, his name is Tom Ska. Um, he retweeted it and he's like, good on you little dude or something. And so, and then I liked that and I shared that. I showed my 10 year old who was very excited. And I said that that made his Monday. We're recording this on a Monday. And, um, and then the guy messages me, this big YouTuber messages me, sends me a DM and he says, can I give your kids some merchandise? Like, can I send him a t-shirt? What's his favorite skit? And so then my, you know, it's honestly the the kindness of people because like I just shared this joke that my kid told me I didn't properly attribute it to I didn't didn't know know where it came came from I didn't know where it came from because you know it was just an off tweet when I should have been writing but I went on Twitter instead because I was procrastinating (laughs) he was really amazing about it um and it was really funny these things you don't know when this is going to happen um and there isn't necessarily any way you can kind of plan that again or anything like that but but it gives you a little taste of of the rush of of having a brand and and getting something nailing it right yeah. kind of makes you like i'm like oh what other fun jokes do you have 10 year olds <laughs> you're forever going to be chasing this twitter moment and is this viral tweet going to sell any books for you no no 
and that's, that's okay. Not, it, but you know, it's not about that really. I think if anything, the the viral thing is it's just good practice. Like um, something that we talk a lot about in writing is you need to constantly be talking about your books, um, constantly practicing your elevator pitch, so that in the moment when a reader when you know says you know or, or like just a random person at starbucks or an editor or an agent or whatever says tell me about your next project out comes a perfect one-liner right you need to practice that a hundred times yeah right you need to be you need to say that kind of stuff in the mirror until you no longer stumble over it and having a tweet go viral is kind of that same kind of practice um i've gotten a lot of messages today going, you didn't properly attribute that to the YouTuber. Notice the YouTuber did not care. Um, um, but like, how do you respond to that? You know, like, like it's a good chance to practice your professionalism and all of that. It has, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like my followers went up like by a hundred people or something. Right, like that. Right, 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 so right, like, right, who right. knows? Like maybe eventually, but that's not my target audience. Yes. It's, not, it's just, it's all, it's all a part of the machine. It's all a part of the, that kind of a thing lubricates you. And it's the same kind of thing. Like people are like, oh, I don't want to start a Facebook group because I don't have any fans yet. Just be yourself, be authentic, be your persona online, do it over and over and over again in a bunch of different ways. Some of those ways, how, how it rolls out will surprise you. Um, but then you'll find this rhythm where you just naturally share jokes, share funny pictures, yeah. share stuff about your own books. Sharing jokes and funny pictures is one really good way to practice building up to sharing your own content, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, then you're just sharing your own content and it's no longer awkward and it's no longer uncomfortable. And then you still share some more jokes and one of those goes viral because your 10-year-old is funnier than you and, you know... <laughs> Well, that's true. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up episode 21. Yeah, that's really it. That's Thanks. it. So for the next couple of episodes, if you subscribe to us on iTunes or um, or, or Google, Google Play, Play. Um, the next couple of episodes will be breakout sessions where we talk about my like my uh, wheelhouse stuff, which is marketing and branding for the genre fiction author. Um, and then once we finish those breakout sessions, then we will be back to our regular sister cast general discussions.